I'm gonna hide this tape when I'm finished. If none of us make it, at least there'll be some kind of record. The storm's been hitting us hard now for 48 hours. We still have nothing to go on. Nobody trusts anybody now. We're all very tired. Welcome to The Last Theater on the Left. My name is Chris. And my name is Joey. And welcome back to the show where we talk about all things horror and cult and exploitation and B-movie and all that kind of stuff. This episode is going to start a trilogy of sorts. It's not going to be like the Friday the 13th thing where we did an episode a day for 13 days because that was exhausting. It was a great time and it was fun, but it was yes. a little exhausting. Yeah, this is kind of like a break, but it's it's a fun break in which we can tackle something that kind of seems to be sort of contained. Yeah, so what this is, this episode we are going to take a look at 1982's John Carpenter's The Thing. I would I say this a lot, but this is one of my favorite movies, and I do watch it often. It usually doesn't make my top ten because I love so many movies, but it is one that I watch on a consistent basis over the years. And I know you had said that you hadn't watched this in probably like 10, 12 years or something. It might have even been more than that, yeah. just by going by my memory of it. Which I, I literally just remember the ending wow. for the most part, and then like you know some of the effects, of course. Yeah. But yeah, this it was almost like watching it all over again. That's awesome. Like, like brand new. I loved it. Yeah. <laughs> so like we do on all of these type of shows that we do where we're talking about a movie in depth, I will say spoiler warnings throughout because we're going to be talking about the entirety of the thing. And this is the, the reason we chose this is actually I wanted I came to Joey and I was like, hey, I want to do one of my other favorite movies. I'm going to say this all the time. My yeah. favorite movie. Yeah, yeah. I want to do Prince of Darkness, John Carpenter's Prince of Darkness. Yeah. And you were like, hey, well, you know that there's this trilogy with that. And I was like, uh, kind of, sort of. And then, yeah, the thing is the start of what John Carpenter, I guess, I don't know if he named it this or if it just kind of came later, but there, he has a series of three movies that aren't really connected in any sense of the plot, but they are connected in theme and it's his apocalyptic trilogy or apocalypse trilogy yeah where each of these movies if left unchecked the world would come to an end sure in a way yeah. like i think that's the most succinct way of putting it yeah and spoiler i haven't seen the third movie in the trilogy oh, really? ever yeah so it starts with the thing and then the second one is prince of darkness and then the third one is in the mouth of madness which i have seen but it's been so long, it's going to be like you with this one. I don't really remember much about it. I remember mm. Sam Neill and liking it, and that's about it. But that's, I, that's all you really need, right, Sam Neill? Yeah, I remember the poster was similar to that Prince of Darkness movie poster. It kind of was. The yeah. home video poster yeah, yeah, with, the, yeah. with the head. Yeah, uh -huh. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> no, no, we'll get to that. But yeah, so over the, next, over the course of the next three episodes of The Last Theater on the Left, which you can find on cnjradio.com, we will be talking about these three movies in succession. We won't do like a wrap-up episode or anything, but as we go along, we'll start to make connections between the themes of the movies and things. Okay. Uh, so let's just get into the thing. After 10 years, 12 years, whatever, of not seeing it, what did you think of this viewing? Oh, it's amazing. And like with a lot of older movies, classic movies, what have you, I immediately go into, has this aged well? Yeah. And I don't have that youthful memory of it i probably didn't see it as a kid 
maybe as a teenager, early adult, is right. was the most times that I saw it initially. Sure. So aged tremendously well, and I think the other reason why, and that had to do with decisions made during the production, from what I found out, is mm-hmm. you know, and of course we're in a pre CG world also in 1981, 1982, yeah. but the fact that they didn't use stop motion. They, yeah. they, they thought about it. Right. But the fact that they went with pure effects, I mean, really just adds to the timelessness of right. a movie such as this, which could look extremely aged if in the wrong hands. It could, very much so, because this is for a quick synopsis of the film for those who might not have seen it or might have been a while since you have seen it. This is a movie where a crew in Antarctica, they're at this base doing whatever they do there it's not explained really that well but it doesn't really matter so much it's some kind of research facility it looks like i think it's some sort of geologist yeah something like maybe it's an oil thing science stuff it doesn't really matter to the plot so they don't really go into that in the movie the crew of this antarctic post they come across this alien organism that comes from somewhere else we don't know but they discover that it can infect people and things it can infect other living organisms and become those organisms and imitate them apparently completely like a hundred percent and the whole thrust of the movie is who's infected who's an alien who's not this thing wants to get out into the world and some of the crew members some of them want to stay alive some of them want to stop the thing from getting away they all have their own agendas and it's that conflict between the characters that really drives the movie. So even though this is a sci-fi horror movie with a ton of gore and a ton of really huge effects that really kind of draw in like that spectacle part of it, mm-hmm. it's really about the tension and like the the interactions between the guys in this crew that really are the focal point to me of this movie yeah and as i think we both agree that the unknown is always going to be scarier than any effect yeah and this has it in spades and you know we just know that there's a ship that crashed on earth which thankfully it crashed in freaking antarctica so we weren't immediately (laughs) infected with this but there there's that but also it gives way to just the the prison-like nature of, of the film so every every choice that was made as it concerns uh, where it's at, right, is is genius because, and I just the visual automatically breathtaking. Anytime you mm-hmm. get like just like you know tons of ice and snow and it, yeah. like it immediately sets up the oh geez man, it really is yeah <laughs> because this movie is really a lot about isolation and you can't really get much more isolated than being in this outpost in Antarctica with like. I think there's like 12 or 13 members of the crew something, yeah, like, something that. like that yeah and, and even, even with that long shot with the helicopter at the beginning yeah like that's the most open it gets yeah they literally give you your fresh breath of air right off the bat right. and then it's all over after that yeah <laughs> yeah because it's it's just expanses of white and you really see that a lot like you said there's a lot of wide shots early in the movie and it's just white on white the sky is white or either really pale blue and it's just this field of white there's just nothing there <laughs> yeah. and then so when you do see specks of like the the helicopter at the beginning of the movie chasing the dog yeah. like there's just these little bitty dots and i mean that's intentional those wide shots because mm-hmm. as the movie goes along you get it seems to get kind of closer and closer in and you don't get those wide shots as much anymore when they are yeah. they do get trapped within this compound and 
the scenes take place more at night and when it gets darker and as the movie goes along the color palette kind of changes from like this black and white of the early to like blue and orange later on in the movie because they use those flares all the time mm-hmm. and the when the darkness comes and the lights start going out it's just everything is like it's blue and orange and that's almost it and it's such a striking because you talk about like i've seen things about like modern movie posters how like there's so many that are like orange and blue and, and teal and orange is a big one yeah, for blockbusters yeah or it was it's, for a while <laughs> but it pops and that's why they do it because those are opposite colors and there's yeah. a reason for it it looks amazing like when you take still frames from this movie they're really striking on their own yeah. and then when you put that into this really gory horror movie it's kind of that dichotomy between like this beautiful setting with this darkness underneath and then it just goes crazy towards the end I like that this is a movie you can show somebody that's never seen it, and the less they know about, the better. And yeah. most movies are like that anyway. I get it, but in this sense, it sends you along this path early on that okay, this is going to be very script based and almost like a play. Yeah, plot driven for sure. As soon as the first real big effect starts to take place, yeah. people, it's almost like the From Dust Till Dawn thing, as right. I call it. Yeah. It just becomes this other movie. It's like, oh. <laughs> yeah. So if you're not expecting it, man, I'm yeah. sure people that saw this initially are just like, wow. And of yeah. course, the effects had never been like this before. Right. So that's another thing I love about it is that like, Really, the less you know about, the better. Right. This is definitely a movie to show your friends that have never seen it before and, and make sure they don't know anything about it in advance yeah. and just watch their face the whole time. <laughs> Keep them away. Don't let them watch trailers if they know you're going to see it. Just spring it on. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of uh face, you know, especially yeah. when it comes to organs and blood and right. stuff. So, yeah. But it's, yeah, like you said, the, the effects. Let's talk about the effects a little bit because sure. I think that is a main draw. And it's, this movie does get into some really philosophical things when you really think about it. But the effects aren't that as much they're more of just that it's john carpenter having the money to make what he wants you know it's his, it's like he has his hands in the toy box and it's kind of unlimited at this point for him yeah because this is i think it was his first big budget movie this was for universal yeah and before that he had done i mean he's great at doing things with almost no money yeah halloween is one of the most fantastic movies ever made yeah and the fact the fact that he did escape from new york with yeah. no major studio yeah. is a triumph yeah i mean you know i love halloween right. you were just saying yeah. sorry i cut you off there but yeah. But yeah, just like those initial movies he did, it's just it's it's just something yeah. else. You know? And now he yeah, now he has the money to say, Okay, I want this thing to turn into a dog, sort of, but not completely, <laughs> and then I want it to split its face open and shoot out things at other people. It's like uh okay. <laughs> and they pull it off and this was released in eighty two. I think if it had been shot differently, the effects wouldn't have held up like they do. Yeah. Because some of the effects I remember I've watched the commentary on the Blu-ray and Carpenter does kind of talk about how when he saw some of the effects, like I think one in particular was when they went to the Norwegian camp and they saw the guy that had the throat cut and his wrist cut and the the blood was frozen in place. I remember him saying that like everybody looked at him like, oh, that's not going to work at all. But the way they shoot it, they shoot it kind of at the beginning of the movie. It's all shot with you can only see a, a bit of it. You can see. Not quite in silhouette, but almost, and you can only see a portion of it, and it's shot kind of at a side of the frame, and the focus is actually on the actor acting and reacting to it, and I think that's so effective, and that's the stuff that he really kind of made perfect in his earlier movies where he didn't have the budget to make the big effects. 
but then when you get when you get to the kennel scene with the dogs and everything after that it's just like <laughs> everything just goes crazy the scene in the uh with the blood test towards yeah. the end that gets insane at yeah. one point yeah yeah and it's it it treads that line of comical almost it like it's right there on the edge and i think some people may take some of that when he's ragdolling the guy when he has the his face yeah chomp. like clamped on yeah. yeah like that is right at that edge of comedy and you can see that some people would take it that way some people that aren't paying attention to the movie yeah you know and like what he's trying to deliver but it's yeah it almost like gets into early sam raimi territory yeah yeah a little bit, a little bit. yeah but nothing the movie, wrong with that but yeah but the tone of the movie itself makes those things work I think like one of the other big effects that really stand out to me is when the guy has the heart attack and they're doing the defibrillator on him. Yeah. And a jump scare and a half. Yeah. I love the way that scene is done. Um, When I was watching it this time with you, I was thinking it's kind of the inverse of alien instead of a chest burster. It's the chest, like whatever you would call it. It's an implosion. Yeah. It's an implosion. (laughs) But the way he sets that up is brilliant because at this point in the movie, we're going to skip around a little bit. Sure, yeah. But at this point in the movie, a lot of people think that Kurt Russell's character, McCready, is one of the infected. They think he's an alien. Yeah. So he's off in the corner. This guy's just had a heart attack, and McCready is like, okay, we'll try to save this guy's life. Yeah. And while that's going on in the corner, McCready's over here, and the other guys are standing over in this other part of the room, and you see the focus is on the scalpel on the table, and one yeah. of the guys grabs the scalpel. Mm-hmm. And that's the entire focus while this other stuff is happening in the background. But the scalpel's never used, because mm. when he's doing the defibrillator, his chest opens up, and it like fangs in the chest, and it grabs his mm. arms and rips so them off. It's a Venus flytrap yeah. kind of thing. So it's on. that misdirection that makes that scene so amazing. Yeah. And when the scalpel finally does come into play, you're like, oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they do pay that off as well. So, yeah. yeah. As you can tell, I love John Carpenter and, yeah. and all of this stuff. It's it's just the way that it all works together, like the way that he builds. And I think when you were reading some of the like sound clips or news bites of lines from reviews saying that it was all about... like. He should. What was one of the ones he about? should? He should direct car crashes. Yeah, and uh, yeah, and public floggings was right. one of the other quotes. Gosh, <laughs> and that was harsh. <laughs> critics from the time were saying that, yeah. and it's like, well, no, because if you pay attention, yes, the effects and the alien and the gore and all this stuff is way over the top. But it's done that way for a reason, and it's yeah. done in context. You're talking about cell structure yeah. here. It's not going to not be bloody. Right, I mean, exactly. You can't yeah. get around that at all. I'm yeah. sorry, but it, but we're making yeah. this. That is authenticity, yeah. in my opinion. And he juxtaposes like all that stuff with like real-life things that make people cringe, like the needles in the arm. You see that a couple times, and the... When they do the blood test, they use the scalpel to cut the fingers, and mm-hmm. and that makes people cringe. But then you put it next to this really over the top, outlandish stuff, and it it's kind of like that transference. Like you see, okay, it gets both people. Yeah, I connect to this, and then this is right next to it, so that makes me connect to this other thing more as well. So it takes that comedy aspect out of it a little bit. You know? Yeah, they said in the, some of the behind the scenes stuff that Wilford Brimley was the only one that didn't get all like Ugh, about all the blood oh, really? and stuff yeah. because he's like he's a man's man he's seen and yeah. done it all he's <laughs> you know just like he's a he's a real he's a real cowboy you yeah. know so I think that was great Wilford Brimley was amazing in this movie yeah. his breakdown when he's 
So Wilfred Brimley is one of the doctors, and he's the one that does the autopsy of the thing that they find at the Norwegian camp that they bring back to the base. Because that's, that's how the movie starts, is the dog runs to the camp like we had talked about. They realize that the Norwegian people who were a few, like, 80 miles or something away, or 80 kilometers, I yeah. think, away. Yeah, yeah, That they had something happen. They go out there. The camp's all burned down, foreshadowing what happens at the American camp. Yeah. And they bring this thing back. So Wilford Brimley's character of Blair is the one that starts putting it all together. And yeah. he puts together that anyone can be one of these things before anyone else. So he kind of sabotages everyone. He wants, he doesn't want this thing to get away. Yeah, and always giving the audience the doubt that he could also be the thing. Yeah. is It's so well done. And I, I was almost kind of... I'm always disappointed a little bit that mm-hmm. he is. <laughs> I know. You know. I feel like I feel the same. I felt very betrayed because it, it's okay that he went nuts. Yeah. But he and he kind of did for the right reasons. Yeah. But it's it's so unfortunate that he becomes infected. Maybe he becomes infected while he's in the cabin. That's what I was going to ask you. Like, when do you think he became the thing? Like, it's hard to say because. I mean, it's well, and also we mm. don't. It's the other thing about the unknown. Sorry mm. to cut you off. Going no. back to the old unknown thing, yeah. you don't know how you get infected. You could literally yeah. just touch something. I mean, you know, they talk about yeah. food. They yeah. talk about all this kind of stuff in there. Could it like is it a is it a vampiritic zombie thing? Yeah. Is it a bite? Like you, you don't right. know whether the dog bit the guy under the table or not. Yeah, things like that. So it's all unknown, yeah. and you could literally it could be con- it could be a contagion. Yeah. Like the flu. Exactly. You don't know. Exactly. <laughs> like, and that's one so... of the things, like you said, the unknown. It's it's not just the unknown of, is this like a virus? Is this... Because we see the thing trying to take over the dogs early on. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean that that's the only way that it can take something over. We see it take Bennings we, with all the tentacles wrapped yeah. around him when he's in the chair. And we know from context that's... that at some point in the transition people's clothes are probably ripped at some point yes but again that's not necessarily the only way it can happen because blair uh, wilford brimley's character does say like each cell is kind of a living organism unto itself and we know that this is true through the blood test when they put take the blood from the people they put the the scalding hot wire into it it's going to react to it Mm -hmm. so we know that even this one little thing and then a little like 1980s computer animation of the it looked like yeah. asteroids to me yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> with the, the the alien cell and the dog cell like overtaking it yeah and uh so yeah it raises a lot of questions that it doesn't answer but that's the point like yeah. we don't know how this works and it sets it up to you kind of know that this movie isn't going to end well like right. there's no way that this can end well yeah. and that's a lot of what the the trip that McCready takes with I think it's copper at the time the doc yeah. um they go to the Norwegian camp and we see everything's burned the guy apparently committed suicide at one point that they find yeah. and we know that like this isn't going to end well and we love Kurt Russell because we've seen him in all these things and he's yeah. a great movie star but he's probably not going to be okay in this one yeah he's he'll he'll be one of the last guys standing yeah Probably for sure, but yeah. it, it still won't end well. He'll go out in a blaze of glory, hopefully. Yeah. Yeah, and thankfully somebody bothered to translate what the Norwegian guy was yelling once he uh, exited out of the helicopter at the beginning. You ready, mm. Chris? Sure. Get the hell out of here. That's not a dog. It's some sort of thing. It's imitating a dog. It isn't real. Get away, you idiots. <laughs> That's awesome. 
is like so i don't know how many people speak norwegian in the world but it's a fairly small amount given the entire population of the world and in america especially where this was made like nobody's gonna get that when they see it in the theater so i think that's awesome how they do stuff like that yeah very small percentage had that movie spoiled from the right (laughs) very very small yeah i want to talk about the dog for a minute oh yes yes yeah since you brought it up yeah the dog, I don't know the dog's name, but he was a fantastic actor. Uh, the dog's name is Jed, by the way. Oh, okay. Jed, all right. I don't see him as a Jed, but okay, that's fine. But yeah, so the dog, when he is in the camp with the guys, and like the way that he pauses and the way he doesn't, the where he looks all the time, he, it feels like he was taught to emote suspense like it's amazing it looks like this dog is intelligent and i know part of that is framing and editing and stuff but there's long shots on this dog where Mm -hmm. he's doing a lot of stuff with people and other animals in the same scene in the same shot yep and he's still giving this dog performance that where he he walks up he pauses he looks over into this room he looks back the other way. He goes up to this other room. He pauses, then he walks in. Yeah. It's like, how do you... I mean, Greatest dog actor in the history of cinema? Maybe. Go and give I the just, award right yeah, now. I just wanted to give a shout out to Jed. Yeah, <laughs> Jed was amazing. Uh, yeah, and I think a testament to a lot of the actors in this movie. I mean, Kurt Russell, Keith David, Wilford Brimley. Like, There's so many good people in this movie. And there's so many people in this movie. It's easy to forget a lot of people and the characters aren't necessarily all fleshed out as far as like backstories and right but i think it's it's really well done in the sense that they're all so peculiar yeah and you know that two things like obviously a lot of them are peculiar enough to do this kind of mission in the first place right number two it's probably better to not flesh them out so much because Mm -hmm. you don't ever know where they're coming from yeah that's a good point and yeah it just leads to those things like i just i just don't know anything about him so i yeah. just i just don't know and yeah. it leads to every suspect in the world yeah. is right there <laughs> but you do know enough about him to remember them and from scene to scene and when yeah. they start calling each other by name it would be easy for people to get lost in that yeah but i think carpenter does it well enough and the actors give good enough performance and memorable enough performances with individual things that they do to make you remember them and i think that's i don't know it just all comes together really well because in the commentary i remember carpenter talking about how when he would have scenes with like six seven eight guys in a room just in a room like there's nothing there like how do you block that he was like he would go into the to work that day and be like i have no idea what i'm gonna do with this (laughs) he was like terrified of that like all this stuff that he does and he was terrified of like trying to make six guys in a room just talking about stuff work you know yeah. but i think, I think he off. pulled it off well in the original assault on precinct 13 yeah. i mean yeah. you knew every name by the end of the movie yeah that that's something that doesn't happen a whole lot no yeah and especially not in these kind of movies right <laughs> usually just so dispensable yeah so we were talking about the dog and so i want to talk about the norwegian camp real quick because i think it is really important uh, for one thing it does set up the the foreshadowing and it sets up the background and it it gets us away from having to do like all this exposition and setting up the first third of the movie as we go and we find it and then we try to figure out what it is. Like it dispenses with all of that and it gets us right into the action to where things start happening right away pretty much. Yeah. It, there's a build up, but it, it dispenses with all that because the Norwegian crew has already gone through all that. They've already done the exposition for us. Yes. So that when they bring it back, it's like, okay, it's a thing. It killed all these people. 
it's infecting things let's get stuff done yeah but the norwegian camp the stuff that happened there almost everything that you see or a lot of things are direct callbacks to the 1951 movie the thing from another world so i want to talk about that just briefly because i have i have watched it over the years not as much as the 1982 version and it's carpenters isn't a remake of the thing from another world it's a tribute isn't it it's it is a, an adaptation of the original novella, okay. which is Who Goes There, which was released in 1938. It's actually a better adaptation than The Thing from Another World is, or a more accurate, I should say. Right. Because, like, the character... They Mac- take less liberties with it. Yeah, right. a lot. The character of MacReady is in the original story, and the whole thing about it taking over people, that's that was actually dropped in the 1951 version. Wow. Because in the nineteen fifty yeah in the nineteen fifty one version the not to spoil anything because we're not talking about that movie and I've never seen it actually the only time I've seen yeah. sh- scenes from this movie are in Halloween oh it's yeah. playing yeah it's playing at uh, the place that Jamie Lee Curtis is babysitting right. at so yeah that's the only time I've seen it all right yeah it's I like it it's good it's it's one of it's like a creature feature kind of thing but it's one of the really good ones okay. it, it came at the start of the like nineteen fifties. And that was the era of the, the atomic, sci-fi invasion, yeah. atomic-powered monsters. Yeah. And that's really a lot of what this is. And I was talking about themes earlier a little bit. And I think, so like, the thing, we'll get into the theme of that and arguments for what this could be and what it kind of turned into at some point. But in the 1951, The Thing from Another World, it feels like a lot of McCarthyism. And it feels like invasion and like that original, that Red Scare from that era. Yeah, uh, It's also fear of atomic power and fear of science and the inhumanity of scientists in particular. And like what they're doing to the world. That's all in this movie. So even though it is the monster in the 1951 version is a plant-based creature. The, the cells in the monster are some sort of plant organism they don't really explain it yeah. completely but at one point the scientist against the orders of the military crew on base is trying to like grow more of these things and it's like mm-hmm. he plants these he plants some of the creatures cells in dirt and feeds it with human blood huh. and that's how the thing grows ah, it's so like it's, a little shop of horrors a <laughs> little bit yeah it is at, the, at a point but the monster is just like, it's. he looks like he's like seven feet tall and he's big and he has gross hands and you don't really ever see him that well. Sure. So it's more, it's again, that kind of mystery thing is he's always kind of in shadow. There's some really great scenes, the the whole thing with fire, there's fire is so prevalent in Carpenter's The Thing. Part of it is necessity because that makes the most sense. You need to burn this thing. But also in the 1951 version, there's a great scene where they get the idea of using kerosene to burn this thing up yeah. because it does it can grow out of pieces it doesn't take people over but right. it can grow out of pieces of itself and there's this really awesome scene where they it looks so dangerous yeah. like it's just all these people in this one room with almost no lights and they're throwing kerosene across the room with all these people in it and there's fire splashing everywhere <laughs> it looks amazing but it looks wow. i am amazed if someone didn't get hurt in that i yeah. would have be amazed because yeah. it's because, yeah, there's no effects. They're throwing fire across this dark sure. room. Yeah. But, yeah, that's my favorite scene in that huh. movie. And maybe we'll talk about that at makes, some point. It makes but, me want to watch it more. Yeah. So, getting back to the Norwegian camp in John Carpenter's version of the thing. I mentioned it when we were watching it. They find some video footage. Uh, Kurt Russell's character, McCready, finds some video footage. And they play it. 
And in that footage, you see them kind of digging in the ice. But there's one shot. It's a wide shot of the Norwegian crew. And they have the flags. And they're all standing kind of in this circle around this thing. And that's directly from the 1951 version. At one point, they see something down in the ice. The, in the 51 version, they discover whatever this is. That's the whole story. Sure. They kind of go in. They say, okay, go out as far as you can and stop where you see it end. And they all kind of slowly go out and they wind up going out in a like a perfect circle okay so like oh we we found a flying saucer right and that's like a big moment in the video you also see like this explosion before it like cuts to something else and in the 51 version they use thermite to blow up the ice they end up destroying the ship and mm-hmm. that's when they find the thing so that's another callback okay. and even the block of ice that mccready finds at the norwegian camp they bring back this huge chunk of ice in the uh-huh. 51 version and they keep it in a room that looks a lot like it, uh, and it melts, and that's where the thing gets out and gets away. Well, I'm glad you're here, Chris. I, <laughs> I, I would have known any of that. Yeah. It's just, it's kind of cool. I think those are really cool. Yeah. Those yeah. Are cool facts. It's like, and the creature in the original story, I don't remember, I don't think you see its actual real form, like its original form, but it does, when it's in the ice, it's this blue creature with three red eyes, and hmm. so you do see something that... Maybe this is what it actually looked like, or maybe this is just something it imitated from another world somewhere else, yeah. which yeah. is kind of a really cool idea. It's yeah. like, we don't know if this thing ever had an original form. Maybe it yeah. just started as a cell, and it's just this blue thing that they saw was on some other planet that it took over, and now it's... Yeah, yeah. there's a lot of commentary and callbacks, evolution, commentary, yeah. calling back to the caveman days. I mean, because almost in like some sort of hypothetical sense, they're reduced to being cavemen. And that's why fire is yeah. such a big deal in this movie yeah. because that's all you got, man. Yeah. You're, I mean, you're all you're out of all your ammo for the most part now. Now we're just, right. just fire, fire, fire. And bullets really wouldn't kill it anyway. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it would just grow around it, <laughs> yeah. just pull that's its the, own head off and yeah. crawl away. That's the old uh, atomic age thing. Bullets yeah. can't kill it. Yeah. Rockets can't stop it. Well, that was the you thing. Know? That's like the original War of the Worlds was the bullets and the technology at the time couldn't defeat these things yeah and it was the virus i'm sorry i just spoiled world of worlds for you as well. no oh jeez. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's one of the i think that's one of the things with a lot of these alien invasion things it's like normal you have to think in different ways you have to think in alien ways because these are aliens that are invading and they don't work on our same wavelength yeah the way we think doesn't work for them it's like if they had figured out all the ins and outs i would have been disappointed and said this is completely unrealistic because yeah. there's no real reason why they should figure it all right out. how can you yeah exactly and, and i think most most movies nowadays they would have to figure out something yeah it's like ever since we started to be computer compatible with aliens and film i think it's kind of gone downhill yeah. in that sense yeah we we're, we're better when we're just kind of we're viruses with shoes you know? like, <laughs> right. that's <Yeah>. it <laughs> yeah i just yeah i think it's interesting because when you when you start to think like the movie is very exciting and it's very visceral and it draws out a lot of those emotions that you get from movies like this with gore and violence and all this stuff and of course the tension as well but when you start thinking about it this is a really good like i think the best sci-fi i would say is really deep in that when you think about it, you can think about a lot of different... It brings up a lot of philosophical questions, and I think this one does too. Uh, some of it is like, did this thing really pilot the ship that, that landed? This is a gigantic, very technologically advanced ship. 
It's huge. It's, and, like, it's yeah. like the size of five football right. fields when you get yeah. out to that thing. Or, you know, like a, like, like a modern reference, uh, the Thor thing, you know, oh, where the yeah. hammer falls in the middle sure. of the desert or yeah. whatever it is. Yeah. It's like 20 times the size of that right. hole. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah. So, would would an alien being this thing that is just adapting and mimicking things, would it be able to create this kind of technology? Did it apprehend this technology? Did it mimic the things that did create it? And hi- did it hijack the thing? Did it just stow away on board? And it just... It's a virus from this other planet that's yeah. stowed away in the exhaust, and it just happened to get away. That's a good question. Stealing any knowledge we might have yeah. in our heads, I guess there's some sort of body snatcher callback in there yeah. as well. There's some but, body snatcher like imagery oh, in the yeah, movie, too. Yeah. Easily. But also the fact that, uh, well, for Brimley's character, mm-hmm. Blair. he, you know, he's they find this like hidey hole yeah. under his cabin that they're keeping him prisoner at yeah. and he's building a new he's ship a using old helicopter saucer. parts yeah. and I'm like okay his character by himself is pretty damn smart yeah. so basically I firmly believe that they use uh, the human brain stuff yeah. mixed with their brain stuff it makes them more smart right. I would have to think that that's the case yeah. if that thing's actually gonna if that thing's gonna be flight worthy right. <laughs> that's impressive as all get out man well we don't know if it was but yeah he was working on it for sure and he's mm-hmm. obviously been working on it for a while yeah and it what's kinda, the passage of time here <laughs> it's tough to say it has to be pretty tight like it has to be just like a couple days maybe okay. right. because we don't really see the passage of like day to night but it can't be that long i wouldn't think at one point i remember mccready said he hasn't slept in two days and that was okay. pretty close to the beginning okay yeah that's all i can remember so maybe maybe a week maybe, yeah yeah it's yeah. hard it's hard to tell and i think the the fact that you can't tell kind of puts you in that same kind of mindset as the people because if you're awake for two days you're not going to know what day it is it's going to feel like a week but it may have only been a day put the weather on top of it yeah and yeah they're blinded they can't certify you can't see anything you don't know when you can only judge by the like the night day cycle and even that's going to be kind of obscured with all the when it gets like super overcast and stuff which there was a storm coming in Mm -hmm. and a lot of the the wipes are not wipes but the dissolves in this movie are done in white yeah so yeah it's that white out it kind of mimics the the weather there yeah but i was thinking like talking about the thing taking over all these alien races and the ship i think that actually plays into the beginning of the movie because when we see the original movie the ship is careening in to planet earth and you see the fire it's yeah. like the which is obviously a reference to the fire throughout the movie yeah. which is also it's probably the re-entry like friction yeah, causing the yeah. fire i figured that much yeah. but why did it crash in the first place like i think me personally there's nothing in the movie that would really suggest this but that the thing did get on board and that wasn't the original aliens whatever they were oh. they weren't this thing the thing got on board and it took over the ship and that's why it crashed i like that that's kind of what i, I like think. that a lot actually yeah, i think that i think that works best because you see when they find the the block cut out of the ice where the Norwegians took the thing from, yeah. it's way away from the ship. Mm-hmm. So I guess it could have gotten thrown out, but it looks to me more like it crawled away. It was trying to get away from it. Yeah. So wow. that's what I think. Nice. <laughs> that's better than any of the other fan theories about this movie at all yeah. on the internet. Which so is interesting. Which is, thanks. Which is interesting because learning all we know about it is that it mimics other creatures. 
So what planet was it on when it was mimicking the all the tentacles flying everywhere and grabbing things and you saw kind of look like spider or crab legs that came out multiple yeah, times. Yeah. Like, was that, did he discover that in Antarctica? Like, I don't think so. Well, so where did that come from? So it's just really interesting that all those things, when you start to think about it, it gets a lot deeper. Yeah. I'm going to go with Pluto. Cause <laughs> right. That's why we kind of wiped it out of existence. Right. Because maybe just the less we talk about it, maybe it just won't just go want to deal with us anymore. <laughs> Talking about how this thing mimics living organisms. I have a question that when I was watching the commentary track, I remember Carpenter and Kurt Russell actually were talking about this as well. Do you think that when the thing takes over a human, does it take it over perfectly to the point to where that person still knows that it's one of the things? Or do you think that it's so perfect that it doesn't even know that it's a thing anymore? Wow. I don't really have a great answer for you myself. Because I think you can kind of make arguments for both cases. It, it, yeah, because everybody seems to be different. It's almost yeah. like the way we are not a two alike, you know. Right. So, like, the guy that had the heart attack, and I'm, you know, yeah. I'm bad with character names uh, yeah. sometimes. The guy that had the heart attack mm. versus Brooks. Yeah. Okay, those two different guys. They're two totally different kind right. of guys. Brooks is very nervous the yeah. whole time, and the other one not so much. He's yeah. just kind of like, he actually seems like he has a weak heart anyway because he even has that thing where he says, I'm not up for this, man. That's the thing. It imitated him so perfectly that it, it that it took his heart defect with it when it became a thing. Yeah. So that kind of lends evidence to me saying that if it recreated my brain perfectly to the point where every cell is in the exact same place... Yeah. It would think like I do. Okay. Yeah. And, and also, I think the blood test kind of tips it off, too. Yeah. The blood test, those guys aren't reacting like they know. You don't right. see... They're no more nervous yeah. than the other guy. Well, Palmer, like... Palmer is one of the things in the blood test. Yes. And when they cut to him, it's hard to tell what he's thinking exactly. Like, when, when McCready pulls up the, the blood, yeah. most of the other ones are all human. Yeah. And so they're not going to react. They're going to be like angry, which they were mostly. Yeah. And, that's, and some that's... of them, some of them were nervous. They were like when they, I think Childs and Windows, especially, I remember when yeah. he had the test, he like let out this huge sigh because he didn't know if he was the thing. That's a th that, that to me, that that's the one character that made that the tip off for me yeah. is that I think that's probably a truth that, yeah. that it's so, it just causes the amnesia the the yeah. act itself is so you talk about trauma yeah it causes amnesia sure so i mean yeah they just wouldn't remember it yeah if they were affected it's just really interesting and so that kind of helps to make when they find mccready's tattered clothing it's like so there are things there are sabotage things when they first come up with the blood test idea the next scene, all the blood is destroyed, basically. All, yeah. the, all the blood that they had that they knew wasn't infected because it was taken before the thing came to the camp. Exactly. It was all destroyed. So the people didn't know that they were things when they were infected. Why would they do that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean... So it, it kind of goes back and forth. I think you can still kind of explain it as someone like Windows who was so scared, he didn't want to know. Yeah. And so he, someone like him may have destroyed the blood just to be like, okay, like, I don't know 100%, but I don't want to die either, yeah. so I'm just going to destroy it. This movie doesn't answer things. No. And so no. this is one, I think it's fun to talk about. Though. Yeah. I like the theories. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you think about the ending? What about Childs? 
and McCready too. Yeah. Uh, they both were alone for an indeterminate amount of time before they come together at the end of this movie. So just quickly, brief plot, like. Sure. Everything is destroyed. Everything's blown up. McCready has the idea. They don't want it to get away. Well, Childs is obviously the main suspect because you, yeah. you, he's unaccounted for in the last, right. what, 15 minutes? Yeah. Uh, it seems like 15 minutes. We see McCready kill this thing. Yeah. You know, the main thing that's under the... Yeah. <laughs> it's just been, like, festering under yeah. this camp yeah. the whole time. Like, the real deal the thing. The Blair thing with the dog yeah. that comes out of him. Yeah. yeah. It's a it's a massive hybrid at this yeah. point that's way bigger than anybody would have predicted. Yeah. So we see him kill it. Why would it kill it if, you know, if, going back to your theory of if you didn't know he was infected? Okay. Yeah. So with that all being said, Childs has to be the suspect because yeah. no one knew what that. But last time that we saw him, they said, watch that window. If you see him come out, burn the dock. Yeah. If he comes out before we do. Right. So it's completely unaccounted for and all yeah. that stuff. I mean, it's just. That's why he's the suspect, and well, yeah. they, they say that there's tells to, like, oh yeah, he's totally infected, but now I'm not so sure. Yeah, you can't be 100% sure. Yeah. Because so one, it has to do with, like you were just talking about, whether they know or they don't know if they are a thing. Yeah. And yeah. one of the tells you were mentioning was that if you watch that final scene, when McCready and Childs are talking to each other, Childs doesn't have as much of the, you can't see his breath, it's super cold out, Yeah. and... But you can see his breath at times. There's a little. Yeah. There's a couple of shots where you actually do see yeah. stuff coming out, out of his mouth. Yeah. But at the same time, it's because Kurt Russell. Well, he's seen more action lately yeah. too. He's breathing a lot more heavily than sure. you know Childs would. Like obviously, yeah. he didn't get that kind of action. Yeah, he said he got lost. Yeah, <laughs> but he's been walking. You're, you're yeah. not sprinting in the snow. Yeah. But he should still be breathing pretty heavily. You would so think so. That, yeah. that, that's where I think that gives credence to the theory that he is infected. John Carpenter has said just as much. You claim that he's probably just throwing people off the trail. He could be because I don't remember him saying anything like that in the commentary that I watched. It's been a while since I've watched it, but I think I would have remembered something like that. Yeah. And he supposedly said all this three or four years ago. So the commentary could be older than that. Older. Yeah. But yeah, still I think, and all the debate is fun. And the point of the movie That's is... That's why you have an ambiguous ending. Yeah, That's exactly. That's why we're still talking about yeah. it. A movie that is 35 yeah. years old or whatever it is. Way, actually, more than that. Right. But, uh, yeah. The point of the movie isn't whether who is or isn't. The point is, they're both going to die. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Whether yeah. they're already dead and one of them the thing, whether they both are or not, it doesn't matter because they're going to die. Well, if one of them's the thing, they're really just going to freeze. Well, still, the original their, their person, human body, their yeah, 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 exactly. is already dead. Yeah, I gotcha. It's I'm with like, you on that. Yeah, it's like when McCready shoots Clark in the head. It's like he killed a human being. Like yeah. we know that for a fact after mm-hmm. they do the blunt test and everything. Yep. But you know what? It's like he didn't know that at the time, and that's kind of that's one of those gray area things where he was defending himself. But it was all of this hysteria, and it's yeah. it's that really complicated thing with no answers that makes it that amazing. And it, I love movies like that yeah. with those endings where you can make cases for either side. But anyone that says that there is a definite yes, factually, this character is a thing with between Childs and McCready, you're not correct. Like that wasn't the intention, and it's not the point of the movie. And yeah. getting too much into that. And saying that it makes the movie weird or whatever, or it detracts because you don't know, isn't the point of the movie. No. It leads to a fun conversation such as this. And yes, I've, exactly. I've had a lot of fun doing this. I have too. I do want to talk about one more thing before we get out of here. Sure. Just real briefly. 
because I actually used this movie as part of one of my like college presentations because I did like oh. this presentation about like horror movies over time and my one of my subjects was body horror and so I talked about body horror movies and I think this is one of them because this is this was the era of the body horror movie and a lot of that has to do with stuff that was going on in the world at the time this came out in 1982 and this whereas the 1951 version like i said was about mccarthyism and post world war yeah, 2 the communist the A-bomb. yeah communist yeah. infecting america and things like that. you didn't know if your neighbor was a, was a communist sure. and that was the whole scare yeah that was the whole point and that that filtered through into these movies yeah 1980s was this was right at the emergence of aids yes and when you look at this movie it's very hard not to see the similarities. It it wasn't Carpenter's intention to make a movie about AIDS. I know that. Right. But when you look at this movie, this is a camp. There's only men in this camp. They're sequestered in this, this isolated location. Yeah. There's this thing that infects people like a virus. And you don't know if this guy beside you is infected or not. Yeah. And it destroys them all. And there's no... There's no hope. There's no way to, to stop it. Yeah. It just runs rampant. They don't, at the time, like this was, like I said, really early when this, sure. and people didn't know what it was, yeah. what AIDS was, and what it yeah. was. And they haven't even started even attempting to make any kind of yeah. medication that you could, quote unquote, live Exactly. With. So yeah. it felt like a world-ending scenario. Yeah. Especially in, in certain communities. Yeah, an epidemic. Yeah, absolutely. I think one of the things that I do want to kind of get across with, the last theater on the left as a whole when it comes to some of these like really big themes like this is to point out that yes like this is a horror gore movie and yes it's fun sci-fi philosophical but it also reflects the fears of the time period that it came out in 1951 it reflected the fears of that time and in this one whether they knew it or not it came through in the art that they created that this was the fear of the time this fear of the unknown this biological thing that was overtaking the population so sub question before we get out of here since you said that it immediately made me think of a movie that came out the year before the thing Mm. the great american werewolf in london Mm. one of my favorite movies of all time is that also even though the wolfman thing is an age-old tale sure the way that they executed that movie do you think it's the same commentary? I think it's similar, yeah. I think because it feels... I think the classics like that, when you look at like horror movies over time, you see there are things that are repeated a lot. But when you look at the time period that they came out in and you watch that movie, you see that it has a different twist on it. You see that it, it means something different to the people that created this movie and the people that watched this movie when it came out. So, yes, I, I think it does a little bit. Right. Another one that I think is Cronenberg's uh, The Fly. I oh, think that has yeah. a lot to do with it, too. Oh, like, man. Yeah. In spades. Yeah. And he's denied that outright. But I'm like, you watch no. this movie and it's... you. you he just doesn't want the attention. It's a, <laughs> Yeah, it's a super easy case to make. God, and yeah. I, I think that's... Same similarity between these two and the other two. Exactly. Exactly the yeah. same thing. And I think that's amazing. And I think that's why people should watch horror movies because it is that outlet for these fears and you're like okay well i see this and this is a super bleak movie the thing is super bleak yes. but it does it allows you to kind of like process that in ways that you don't realize that you're processing it and that was the moment in my life that i realized that horror films have my whole life mm. have been considered escapism 
yeah. yet they're almost everything but escapism. Yeah. yeah. Right there. You, you, you're you you're <laughs> in this room for that moment where I realized... Just now? Moment. That moment. Just now. Okay. Well, Absolutely. I hope, 100% too. I hope that's a good thing. Sure. <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's different. It's still escapism. I mean, well, it, yeah. it, 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 I think it depends on the movie and it depends on the person who's watching the movie because some person over here may take this movie completely differently. I think I can make a very strong case for what I just said, and I don't think that it can be refuted very well, yeah. but you take out of these movies what you want, necessarily. There and you if go. you come to these movies for escapism, super awesome. Great. Yeah. Like, that's perfect. I just want more people to watch horror movies. And that's what we're here for. We're going to continue to do so. We'll be back with the next episode, which is the Prince of Darkness, which I'm really looking forward to, because yes. it's sort of aliens but it's also kind of alternate dimensions it's more oh, it's very religious in tone yeah, yeah it deals with science and religion well we'll get to it yeah, right? yeah, it's, yeah. i love it because okay. this is the movie prince of darkness is the one that introduced me to a lot of these like concepts like schrodinger's cat and things like that ah, they yeah. stuck with me over time okay and really kind of got me into science in a way in huh. certain ways which i'll elaborate on the next episode okay. and where can they find that joey oh yeah of course cnjradio.com I've been saying home of all things rock culture at the end of Rock Strikes 10, which is my rock podcast there. Every episode of that is on cnjradio.com, as well as the awesome 13, Friday the 13th wrap-up episodes in 13 days in a row are also all on cnjradio.com. All these shows are on iTunes as well. There's also the Synaptic Empire podcast on cnjradio.com, so stay tuned. You can pretty much uh, get your whole day done at the office or just running around listening to cnjradio.com all day which absolutely. is what you should be doing absolutely see you next time bye Why don't you just trust in the Lord?